Hello, guys. Welcome to Black Queens Republic. I know it's been a minute. Uh, today, I have one of the most amazing people I know. This person inspires me a lot, actually. So I'm so honored that she took the time to come. Amma, welcome. What an introduction. Don't do that to me. <laughs> you, you are such a bomb dig black woman. Trust oh. me. Likewise, likewise, likewise. Oh, I'm always excited to do podcasts. So yeah, hopefully I can live up to some of the things that you just mentioned. No, I think that people will just... Are you going to give people your Instagram after this so they can check you out? Or? For sure, for sure, yeah. So they can see how, how you're doing big things out in the community. But tell us about yourself. Who is Amma? Wow, who is Amma? Amma is a Ghanaian... Black woman who is very unapologetic. I'm a Ghanaian Jalaf warrior. <laughs> um, I am a daughter. I'm a sister. I, I'm a friend. I do a lot of community work in supporting young Black women. And then I also have my private practice, which is entitled Womanist Healing. And I, I really try to embrace Black feminism, of course, womanism, and, and just African-centered ways of, of thinking about ourselves and healing ourselves but I'm also an art lover and I just love to live my life and to laugh and to just honor the time I have here uh, on this on this earth I love that I love it now how have you been managing throughout this whole pandemic and you know Ford just wakes up in the morning and he has new rules every day how have you been like managing through yeah, I, like everybody, I think have my waves, of course. I think the first parts of the pandemic were quite hard because it was just such a adjustment to get used to. But even a couple of months ago, <laughs> the reality is that we all have burnout in some different capacity. But yeah, I, I really do try to take every day at a time. I have let go a lot of the expectations I would typically have of myself and I have given myself a lot more compassion than I, I usually would. And it's been so freeing in that way. But I think, I don't know, it's, it's just hard because, you know, part of the challenge is that we really don't necessarily have an end <laughs> to what this looks like. And so, yeah, taking things slowly is, has been really, really important for me. I agree. I think now I'm I'm starting to settle into okay, this is the situation as we have it. I think stressing about it is honestly detrimental. Cuz we can't control the government and whatever mandates and rules that they're coming up with. Yeah. So, it is what it is. Okay, I was just going to say one thing is that like I try to make life still happen because it's hard when mm-hmm. every day just feels like it's rolling into the next so that's one of the other things that has been helpful is, is trying to create like small milestones for myself so that I feel that life is continuing because mm-hmm. um, it could often feel really, I don't know, life can just become really mundane and we start to think like, what is the purpose in all of this? Yes. Yes, for sure. Definitely. I've definitely been, I, I was in a phase where I was like, what if I don't become like what I always wanted to become because mm-hmm. the pandemic and like, and I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's hell territory thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Kind of keep doing what you do and who knows, maybe it'll turn into something. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So today I want to talk about religion and feminism and that whole, we're going to, and yeah, just to let people know, we're not, 
experts. This is not a, you know, I'm not a pastor, neither am I some sort of person that understands this topic. So we're just going to have a conversation. I want to get your take on, you know, what feminism has meant mm-hmm. for because you and I are feminists and but we're also black women. And at some point, I feel like there's a point where it's it's felt rebellious mm-hmm. when, when, when you've embraced feminism. And I want to talk about that from a religious standpoint and see what your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. The first question I have is, were you raised in a religious family growing up or? Yeah, I was. So my so my family is technically Catholic, but like Guinean Catholic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I've always went to a Guinean church. I've went to the same church, like literally probably my whole life. And my grandfather, so I didn't grow up with my, my grandparents. A lo- the large majority of my family is back home, but my grandfather built like the first Catholic church in my mom's village. And so my mom has always been just very devout as a, a Catholic and a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also went to a Catholic school for the most part of my elementary school experience. And then I slowly started to go to public school when I, when I made a, a move. But I was definitely uh, grew up as a Christian. Yeah. What was your make of, you know, the feminism as we know it now? But did you ever notice like when you were growing up that Christianity was repressive for women? Mm. Is it not something you noticed because you were because I know for myself growing up those things I I grew up in Uganda right Mm -hmm. so you have the the cultural piece and then you have the religion piece Mm -hmm. where it was normal to to for women to be at a different point than men like to be beneath or mm-hmm. to, men have to be the head and the lead and the everything so it i didn't notice anything wrong with it and until i started kind of there was a there was a feminist who started kind of uh being public about her feminism and i was like oh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's what's that i want to learn about that <laughs> yeah but to be honest when i was just growing up it it didn't seem abnormal it seemed normal to me Mm -hmm. yeah that's really interesting I think also like in an African context some of those things look different you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um because as you asked me this question I don't think I noticed it I and I think maybe part of it was because I, I saw for example in my church that a lot of the women were the Sunday school teachers Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize until later on, it, it's that women can't can't be priests, right? They can only be yes. nuns, in particular in the ca- Catholic faith. So I don't think I really noticed it. But what I did know, I, I remember at an early age when I learned about abortion and I learned because I was going to a Catholic school that, you know, they, the ways that they tried to describe it was was so, you know, against God and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And I was at that point, I was like, actually, no, I don't think that's true, right? Is that, you know, there's so many ways that, and, and even at my, an early age, I knew that I believed in abortion and I thought that people should be able to have access to it. And I think those small moments slowly started to make up my questions about, you know, does all of this always fit for the ways that we're living life now? Because, you know, a, the, the reality is that a lot of these historical texts were written in a particular time. And of course, we can still embrace them if they feel connected to us or aligned to us. But sometimes when you think about, okay, what does that look like now? Of course, mm-hmm. your mind is going to challenge or, you know, just have some questions about what that looks like. But then the other thing that I think is part of the challenge too is 
because often we are born into a certain faith because our families practice it. There Mm -hmm. isn't always a lot of conversation about why do we practice this as opposed to we're going to practice this. You're going to church every Sunday, but nobody tells us, okay, why, why is this the the reason as to why we are following this as a family? Mm -hmm. That's very true. Like, but, but do you think like, it's it's also something that our parents it, it kind of like the cycle continued because when I look at pictures of my great grandparents, you know, they're typically pictures in church or they're mm-hmm. pictures near a Bible or like mm-hmm. so I've kind of it's been like generational. The expectation is to be to be Christian. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk about the did you ever notice you know, that so on top of like religion being obviously repressive to women, there was a a colonial piece. I always wondered when I was growing up why all the pictures of God and Jesus and Mm. movies was white people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I never like, I was like, I thought he was like, you read the Bible and you're like, huh. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you watch TV movies because you know in Uganda they have like all the Jesus movies of when course. he's and they're it's a white man with blue eyes. Yeah. And I'm like, but these things they're not making sense. Mm-hmm. No. Every time. And um I think that's the one thing that really I never understood as a child why mm-hmm. it is everyone. Why is the movie of Queen Sheba? Why is she a white woman? Mm-hmm. Hmm. What's happening? <laughs> and her name is Queen Sheba. If you needed it, <laughs> Cleopatra, white, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. What is mm-hmm. going on? I guess. Do you think like the by? Like, do you think sometimes? Because I, I am a Christian. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get concerned, and I'm like, what if? What if I'm believing in the Bible, and it's like a white man just woke up one morning and wrote it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then everything I believed is not true. But I also can't, like, I feel like I also can't not be Christian. Like, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Have you ever been in that, like, confusing space uh, religion-wise within colonialism? Yeah. I mean, I think, so at this point in my life, what I've come to terms with is that I am, because of, as you mentioned that like intergenerational piece, the reality is that I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm going to definitely be, you know, I, w- I went to church like at the start of the year. Right. Mm-hmm. And so even as I'm like slowly starting to embrace African spirituality and I, I've more so began identifying myself as a spiritual person. I, I think that it's, it makes sense as to why we struggle with and are constantly trying to navigate what does our our spiritual or faith walk look like as Mm -hmm. black people and in particular no as black people as people of african descent because of Mm -hmm. the the roots of colonization right and so Mm -hmm. you know even the fact that the bible talks about the nile and there's there's all of these pointings that okay like we can be represented in this however i think for me personally where a lot of my struggle came from was when i really started to see and understand the impact of colonization and what it required. It all, it required the use of, of how Christianity was brought into particular parts of Africa to mm. help with the enslavement of African people. 
And mm-hmm. I know for many people, you know, it's it's hard. It's a hard thing to talk about because your Christianity can also be such a compass for you in terms of how you navigate life. Yes, yes. And I think that that's, I think one thing that maybe we should kind of preface this conversation with having is that as Black people, as African people, we are spiritual people, right? We are people that have always believed in God. And that looks like and takes form in many different ways at this point in our lives. But yeah, you know, the reality is that if our countries have been colonized for how long they were, then naturally we're going to have some questions about some of the practices that we have. And if going back to your point about who is represented. And I think that that's sometimes the the biggest struggle is even a, so my mom is really close to the priests at my church. And there was a few months ago when I went to his office and all of the saints are white, (laughs) you know, yes, all of the saints are white. And what does that, and and, and when I have those moments, it, it even further makes me feel like, okay, you know what, like, it's okay to begin slowly exploring what mm-hmm. does it look like for you to be represented in tradition and spirituality. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to, in the, the same day, you know, tell every you, you know i feel like sometimes you know as we're navigating life we think oh i'm i'm finding this and i need to tell everybody that they need to stop being a christian it's like yeah no. <laughs> yeah like just be on your journey yeah be on your journey feel like and identify what feels good to you i, I have a lot of christian people in my life i can mm-hmm. talk about god because i believe in god but mm-hmm. i think that we have to in particular as black people think about like who is represented when we see God and mm-hmm. also what did we lose as a result of having Christianity? Because I think that that's also something that was really clear to me as I started to investigate. So for example, my, my first name is Emma. Mm-hmm. But when Ghanaian people meet me, they'll ask me, Oh, what is your English name? And part of the reason why they're asking that is because you technically, the, when I realized it, it was that you are not actually allowed to have African names to be baptized. And so that's why, so many people will have an English first name and they'll say, oh, what's your Ghanaian name? Right. And, and, and when I started to realize, oh, people, that's why people are asking me that. I Mm -hmm. was like, what, wait, wait a minute. Why are our names not good enough to be baptized? See, that's the thing. And it's like, you know, at what point do we then realize that maybe, maybe there was a, a situation where Christianity was what it was. Or there was some form of like belief in God before. Like, let's let's forget when white people came and, you know, mm-hmm. ruined the whole. Yeah. Let's leave that for a second. And like, there, there's a point where we're believing in God, we're believing and like Jesus is doing his thing. Is it possible that white people then say, oh, wait, we could use this to colonize Mm-hmm. And then they realize that the best way to do that is if we, if we like change every image and say God was white, Jesus was white, mm-hmm. mother was mm-hmm. white. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's not that we're believing in a colonial faith or that the faith isn't real, or mm-hmm. it's just that white people, just like they've used the education system, mm-hmm. just like they've used any other system, they also used religion. Mm-hmm to do the do to do what they do best which was to colonize mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely. that's also something that we have to consider although it's 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 tough mm-hmm. because for me i grew up my i was baptized uh like what is it anglican or 
Protestant, but then I grew up in the Pentecostal church, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, we had to go to Bible study on Wednesdays and, mm-hmm. you know, Thursdays was youth group and then Sunday mm-hmm. was church and you had to go to church camp. Mm-hmm. It was like strict, like you had to be in church, but like there was never a conversation about, you know, how much we were never represented, even mm-hmm. though we're expected to show up and believe of in this God yeah. who didn't look like me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, yeah, that's a huge, it's a huge thing. Representation is important. Yeah. And I think that, you know, but it, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's confusing. I think for me, even I'm trying to figure it out. And then, because I've embraced feminism, mm-hmm. you also have that conflict. Like, am I doing something wrong? Because the Bible mm. doesn't really have a feminism uh, thing in there. Mm. And that's why I wonder if white men mm. change the Bible. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> to only represent certain stories. Because if they could do that with colonialism and, and you know, colonize in the name of missionary work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can we really put anything past that past them yeah that's a really good point that's a really really good point. but it's up to us to kind of explore my next question is when did you start embracing do you first of all you identify as a feminist correct yes ma'am at what point do you start embracing feminism and you know and just kind of being like this is what i'm going to believe and i'm going to run with it Yeah, it was definitely, so it's interesting. So I remember taking, I think I've always maybe been a feminist, but I didn't always have the language of a feminist. And so I think after I, so I only probably took one feminist course in university. And Mm -hmm. I felt like the course, the problem with the course was that I just didn't see enough Black feminists. So there was a lot of talk about feminism. There was a lot of talk about you know, what that movement looked like, but I similarly didn't see myself represented in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first real Black feminist book that I read was Audre Lorde's Sister Outsider. And mm-hmm. I remember having my mind blown. I, I literally thought that that was a sacred text to me. It was so mm-hmm. powerful. It spoke so deeply to the intersections of our identities as Black women. And I just felt like she understood me without even having to meet me, see me, and that was, you know, the, the, that book is kind of starts in the 60s and then I think goes into the, the 80s. So that was my first introduction to Black feminism. And ever since I've identified myself as such. Yeah, but that was it was it was such a it was such a breath of fresh air, but I felt so empowered by the words that I was reading. Mm. And how do you make the connection? Because when we when we think about being African women, you know that again, in in our traditions across, not even just in Africa, but if you think about any country, like any continent, women, the feminist approach is not really embraced. Mm -hmm. I think you're seeing it, you're seeing kind of, you're seeing it in the West, you know, like in European and and North Mm -hmm. American countries, but I feel like still right now, it's not really embraced. And when you did, like when you were talking to your friends and things like that and family about feminism, what was their, (laughs) 
what was their take? Because I know for myself, like my dad always says, ah, ah, those white people things. Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. You are too, you have become back to Uganda. It seems you are too Canadian these mm-hmm, days. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. really the, the, the take. Yeah, yeah. It's always like this foreign concept that we cannot be African and feminist at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. I think similarly, I think, well, actually not my mom. Uh, I think my mom, even my, I don't know. You know, my mom is a very interesting woman. I love her dearly, but she's very, I don't know. She just doesn't, she kind of lets me have my world. She does think I probably read too much, but um, (laughs) I think that, you know, Often, I'm also very mindful of like who I have certain conversations with, but I definitely, mm-hmm. because of, I'm a feminist, I definitely do challenge my family and people know when certain conversations are happening. Oh, I don't let Emma hear you because she's going to say X, Y, and Z. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that they, I don't know, I think people are just like, maybe accustomed to certain things that I don't know. I, I think nobody really challenges me on it anymore. I mm-hmm. think it's just, oh, that's just how Amma is. You know, I don't think that people are constantly trying to say, okay, you shouldn't be a feminist or what have you. And I think that especially for African women, we also have to look for what does that look like in our context in different ways. And maybe it's that, you know, your parents encouraged you to get a certain amount of education or that they, you know, are not necessarily enforcing the fact that you are inferior and just seeking that out in different ways. And I know for me, like my mom has been always really intentional about saying, oh, you always have to be able to take care of yourself. You know, you always have to be able to have a certain amount of education so that nobody can take X, Y, and Z away from you. And I Mm -hmm. think that even those things in itself are her her acts of feminism, even if she doesn't classify it as such. And same with, you know, the other people in my family, for example, my dad, like, you know, oftentimes, especially where I'm at in my age, you would think that, they would be really like forceful in terms of to saying, oh, you need to get married or you need to have a husband by tomorrow. But, mm-hmm. you know, of course, I think that they want those things for me, but they're not necessarily going out of their way to say, oh, this is what you have to do tomorrow. And I think that those can be also small ways or an acts of, of them encouraging, you know, the feminist in me to exist. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's just about how do we like look at the small everyday interactions that we have with people in our lives and see it as maybe that's their way of supporting who I am and my identity has dating i know dating is hard for me the moment like if i want a guy to leave me alone i just tell him i'm a feminist you find the same thing (laughs) i found like it's it's not you know i'll take your number and like they don't even want they were like we'll exchange but the moment i say i am a feminist Mm -hmm. crickets blocked and deleted me do you find that as well because that's what i i found yeah i definitely think men and uh, are are you talking about african men or in general well i i uh oh okay so i only been talking to black men okay oh the same here but like i don't know (laughs) i'm just you know curious (laughs) I, i i typically end up dating african men for many reasons but I do find that they, and this goes back to the, you know, Christianity pieces that depending on where you're talking to or or dating men from is that one, the ideas around what manhood should be Mm -hmm. are oftentimes very, very narrow. And so when men and maybe in in our experiences, black men, when they hear the word feminist, they automatically have their ideas of what that looks like. And I definitely feel like there's been men that I've talked to or engaged with that I know 
we wouldn't work by simply my values and what I think is important as a feminist. And that's cool for me. Like I, I, I would rather not even engage in that territory, but I do think because of patriarchy and just how men are, are raised. If you do feel like there is somebody that I don't know, you're aligned with in certain ways and you feel inclined <laughs> to be able to say, okay, what does I, what do you, what do you hear when I say feminist? Right. And have that conversation and discussion uh, obviously you have to be in a space to feel like, is that person worth that emotional labor? But sometimes I think that might be a conversation because I do think that when people hear the word feminist, they automatically shut down or they automatically disconnect what that looks like from their life. And I think that, you know, sometimes if, if, the, if the space warrants for it, that you can have that conversation with them and they might be like, oh, okay, then I, I look at that as a different way, but that person has to be willing to hear what you're trying to say. This is true. And, and you also have to, what I've realized is, is you, you do have to have these conversations with certain men. Yeah. You can't have this conversation with what's that Kevin Samuels. Or, no. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you just can't, you need to find the right, not, not even, what is that man? Derek Jackson. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> like, I can't, first of all, we need a whole nother episode just talk about Derek Jackson uh, and his wife. All of them, line them up. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you, you're right that we, we, you do need to talk to, the, to a certain type of man who is willing to have that dialogue. I recently did an episode, not recently, last year, I did an episode called No Boys Allowed. Mm. And we talked about Bell. I don't know if you've read Bell Hook's book, All About Love. Yes, I have. And uh, first of all, loved that book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, such a good book. But we, yeah. she, she kind of breaks down feminism. There's a point where she, she talks about the importance of men being embracing feminism. Yeah, because yeah. you know when you think about everything that men are taught, it's to not to be anything but any but feminine. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And how that is harmful for men mm-hmm. uh, as well. So, so yeah. embracing feminism will address those things as well. And and so he, because when he read the book, he was like, kind of like, uh, uh-uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. But as we started to have that conversation, he's like, yeah, you know what, that makes sense because then yeah. we wouldn't be judging men for crying or mm-hmm. judging men for like not being able to provide. Like sometimes yeah. the woman provides not because you're not a real man, but sometimes that's the place you're in in life and it doesn't mm-hmm. make you less than, Yeah, you yeah. know, which is something that I think a lot of men need to, I think men should not necessarily identify as feminists, but for sure embrace the feminist ideology. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to uh, touch on is African spirituality. I know like for me, when I first when I used to hear about people that believed in, I remember this guy came to church one time and he said he's a traditionalist. And I was like, hey, mm-hmm. we, we are doing witchcraft in church. Mm-hmm. Now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked that he he's like, you people, you're believing in this, you know, white Jesus that mm-hmm. was brought to you, you know, to, to colonize. And mm-hmm. I remember being very much like, why do we have a witch doctor (laughs) in front of the church talking? But And then I started reading more about it. Have you read Born a Crime? No. Oh, no, I haven't. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a book by Trevor Noah and Mm -hmm. he talks about 
he there's a there's a point where he touches on this belief that like we were as Africans we were already believing in God mm-hmm. but for some reason we were taught to we were kind of taught to like just dump our beliefs as if we we weren't believing in God already but in yeah. like different forms and and when you when you think about it today people who believe in people who are spiritual are usually seen as like hippies or mm-hmm. they're they're like they believe in some sort of like demonic yeah you know what how did you cuz i know that you weren't always embracing african spirit like mm-hmm. I don't know if you've always like embraced it, but like, how did you come to that point of embracing it and and just being like, this is this is what I'm gonna believe in, and I'm I'm gonna take these values and 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 reach the point where you're like you de- you define yourself as a spiritual person. Yeah, I think it's many little moments. Like I I said, I I I truly believe that our lives are our journeys, right? And so it's hard for me to dictate all the the different moments that has a has created this but there's a couple things that I think about and one of them is that I've been to I've been back to Ghana a couple of times and one of the last times I went I I went to the Elmina Castle for the first time Mm -hmm. and I remember when I was there the spirit of that place like I when I tell you I didn't say a word in that place you Mm -hmm. can feel the the despair and the struggle in that space and Mm -hmm. I remember when the tour guide was walking us through and for people who don't know the Elmina castle is a it was used as the slave ports that held the slaves that they gathered from West Africa and were taking toward the Americas Mm -hmm. and I remember going into the space and when you go to a cultural place that was you know literally for built in like the 14th, 15th century. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that the tour guide was saying was that, you know, the colonizers had the Bible and were reading their Bible and had their Sunday ceremonies upstairs. And -hmm. then you saw where the slaves were being held. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have those types of moments and you're like, oh my God, this is, this is really, really has impacted and has shifted my life and my like ancestral lineage right like Mm -hmm. I think that that was one of the really major moments for me where I really had to think about okay what is it that I I want to do and what is it that I want to embrace and you know us as a generation are often talking about Mm -hmm. where our our ancestors wildest dreams and I think part of my journey was about okay how do I also really truly embrace the wisdom that they know and Mm -hmm. when I look at and embrace or read just about African spirituality it just resonates resonates with me differently, right? Like it really, really does. I see my name there. I see things that like connect to how my ancestors spoke. And there's a a really holistic way of looking at it. And it Mm -hmm. often talks about spirituality and culture actually not being separate, right? That part of our spirituality allows us to hold our culture. And in particular, when I think about Guinean culture as well, a lot of the things that we do (laughs) as cultural moments are actually a part of or connected to spirituality right so I think for me there was and also just to kind of your point 
you know, part of the journey as well in terms of colonization and what it did, it was not only about the fact that they colonized Christianity, but they made it a point to demonize what we had, right? Yes. And so it's it's really important that we also talk about the fact that, you know, African traditional spiritualities were outlawed, like people could not practice them. Mm-hmm. And even- They were like, seen as primitive and, yeah. and satanic, just yeah. so, which we, we, we've continued to see today. Of course. And same here, like <laughs> I still, I, I literally want to go to Ghana sometimes to be able to explore- you know, I have like spiritual, like, uh, so um, one of them are called Akom in, in Ghana, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scared because of like what the, the socialization of it. And even if you look at our movies, oh my God, the movies that we used to watch as children, like would yeah. always have, you know, and also part of the problem is that we often look at African spirituality as demonic, but that was what was represented. So when you look at movies and, mm-hmm. you know, this one witch doctor, like you would automatically think that, oh, everything about the, the faith is around being able to curse somebody and that's not true yes yes you're right when you when you just think about like nollywood movies of course (laughs) every time someone goes to the witch doctor it's to you know get her husband to do this or and so i I will admit that like i i'm definitely having more conversations about african spirituality in my circles Mm -hmm. for sure but i i still have you know there there is a bit of it's kind of like a tug of war in mm-hmm. my spirit. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely still feels like, like well, Jane, what are you doing? You mm-hmm. know, like, what's, of course. what's actually going on here? Would you would you describe that moment in Ghana as like your defining moment when you're like, you know what, let me let me learn more about this? Yeah, it was definitely one of the moments for sure because I remember being like this is feeling too weird. This is feeling mm-hmm. too harmful. Like I think that that's what it was. It was it was like how can I and this is what's again no no harm to people who are Christian and African, but I was like, this it doesn't feel good to me to honor a religion that I know was also deeply a part of the oppression of my people. I just I feel like I have to say it in the ways that I'm thinking it, but you know, part of the reason why we are such a large black population is because of the ways that like colonization used Christianity. And even in Ghana, right, the country is 70% Christian. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's it it feels it feels like such a space of contention because you see what your culture lost, but then you also know like the historical legacy of it, and it just it feels complicated. And being physically in the Elmina Castle, you and people, anybody that goes to Elmina will always say that it's like you can feel the you can feel the presence of them, like you yes. can really really feel it. And there's a certain level of awareness that you that, that's a very spiritual moment when you go to a place like that because mm-hmm. it requires you to think about the world differently it was also a very beautiful moment that i got the opportunity to be in the space of my ancestors but mm-hmm. it was something that it, it definitely made me think about okay it's okay to begin to learning what were they doing before because there was a reason why that was outlawed it was you know also the recognition of and even in one of our last, you know, uh, wars in Ghana, but even Haiti, for example, they used African spirituality as a way in which of, of spiritual war- warfare, right? And so that was also part of the reason was that the the colonizers knew that like this was also a very powerful thing that united and connected African people, and and they they couldn't have that in order to have the the colonial legacy that they needed. Yeah, and you know, I I think. 
I think as black people, like one of the things I wish that our community would realize is that two things can be true. You can yeah. walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's okay to acknowledge that white people used Christianity to, you know, harm black people, to enslave black people. And it's also it's it's also at the same time to recognize that like your faith is a big part of who you are and mm. and you know there are people who feel like without god who am i mm-hmm. the god that i that i i have known my entire life that i've been taught to le- to lean on i'm not and it's it's a scary thought right I, I get it, but i think we we have to get to that point where we embrace more than one perspective that like just because my religion was used to to harm my people doesn't make me a horrible person if i start to you know consider the fact that like i'm i'm struggling i'm struggling with 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 that thought for sure and embrace the fact that like it is a possibility that our our ancestors already believed in god mm-hmm. yeah they, they already had their own faith but it was demonized because in order to in order to for white people to have fully done what they did, I mean, it you don't just do that without causing extreme and going deep into of people's course. cultures and like uprooting, like literally removing their languages, being how they how they you know we're Africans, black people, we're a community type people, but. Mm-hmm removing those things that that made us who we are you you don't do that by by not causing extreme harm and i just wish that you know i wish my community i wish black people just even have the conversation but i do get that it is it's a scary it is a scary thought of course of course and i think that it's so I think it's a, I think it's an important conversation to have just because, you know, we we not, once again, going back to the fact that a lot of us were born into certain faiths and there mm-hmm. always isn't necessarily transparency on why we're following this faith. And, you know, I think that it's like you're saying, it's such a critical thing for you to know that the, t- the two truths can exist. And I think mm-hmm. one of the other things is that in African spirituality, it's not necessarily saying that this is the only way that this is the only thing that you can do, or this is the only thing that you could follow and there's nothing else. And so that's what I've seen for people who are, are, are looking to maybe just consider or look into what that looks like is that you can tell yourself that you can still be a Christian and embrace certain principles of African spirituality. If that's what serves you, that they, they don't necessarily have to cancel out each other as well. And Cause for me, it's like, yeah, I listen to sermons still, right? Like, oh, I yeah, still go, sure. yeah, you know what I mean? I still go to church. Like it's not, it, it doesn't have to all be one or the other. Like you're saying, they can all kind of coexist. And I think you know, part of what religion does is gives us a way of understanding what our truth is in the world is that mm-hmm. it, it helps to people to feel grounded. And it allows people to cope with life in a different way. And also just to see just to feel that you're, you're being guided by something, right. And I, I, I definitely believe in God. And like you were saying, I don't know what it like looks like in Uganda, but we have a, a pictorial system essentially in Ghana and it's called mm-hmm. the Dinkra symbols and so all there's all these like very historical symbols that have mm-hmm. meanings and we've always had something called 
Ajunanmin, uh, which means like the supreme knowing of God, right? Mm-hmm. And that existed before anything. So I, I always will know and I will always say people of African descent are always spiritual beings. We've always believed in a God. And if, if African spirituality is something that's calling you or you're curious about, but mm-hmm. I think the, the main thing that I would want people to hear is don't demonize it just because you think it's not aligned with Christianity or Islam, you know, because that's not fair. Yeah. And I think, it, and you just like, yeah, you just touched on that. It's like, just, you can read on it. You can, you know, like have conversations about it, but definitely it's not helpful to demonize. You, you don't learn anything when you do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like you're closing off your, your way of learning before we close off. You you're seeing, I don't know if you're, you're noticing this, but like we, from what I've been seeing, people are starting to speak up more about the repression of Christ- of uh, not just Christianity, but religion in general. I feel like there's more conversations happening about the impact. You, you see it a lot with Christianity because mm-hmm. Christianity is a popular religion. Do you have hope? You know, like, are you are you seeing that, you know what, like society is kind of moving away from the colonial mentality? Or do you think that we are we're kind of like stagnant right now? What are your thoughts on the types of conversations we're having around this topic? Mm, that's really interesting. I guess it depends on where you're at. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I think there's some people that are open to these conversations. I'm actually kind of curious for you because, you know, I know that you identify as a Christian. I'm kind of curious to know what has borne certain questions in your mind about just being curious about, you know, spirituality in a different way. I think for me, I started reading uh there's a book i was reading called uh what is it called by web de bois oh my gosh why did i forget <laughs> is it the soul of yes the soul, soul of black, of black folk mm-hmm. it's it's this idea that there's a way that that black people have to be and like my whole life I've just noticed that I was always, there's a way I had to be. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever deciding that this is who I'm going to be. I'm just, there was just like, as a woman, you must mm. do this. Yeah. As a black person, this is how you have to behave. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. a Christian, this is how, and I'm just like, those are not my beliefs. Mm-hmm. These are just things that I was kind of, I don't know what the hell happened, but yeah. <laughs> decided that I had to be a certain way. And I, mm-hmm. and I kind of was like, I need to, like, who am I? Who yeah. is, who is Jane mm-hmm. without those rules? Who is Jane without, you know, the, the Mugisu Ugandan woman mm. who had to follow the ways in which to be, you know, because in Uganda, you hear a lot of like, as a Ugandan woman, you cannot. Yeah. yeah. You have to, you know, when you, when you, when you get out of university, you have to prepare yourself for a man. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah. Why can't I yeah. prepare myself for me? So it was just, it started becoming honestly a nuisance. I was mm-hmm. tired and working in the shelter kind of did it for me because mm. there's rules like to everything. I remember going to my manager and, and being like, a client just called me a house nigger. Oh boy. There's that. But, <laughs> and I remember him saying, well, this is the shelter. Child. And, you know, that's just how these clients are. Okay. Where are my two weeks and- at? <laughs> like what? He, goes, he said that the way that I chose to express myself 
was oppressive to, to the client. Oh boy. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, so, so now I have to, so the way that I express myself also is a, is like being policed. Mm. But that, then I realized that's always been the case. If you've talked to other black women, they'll tell you like how they code switch and like how you have to use your Becky voice when you're Mm -hmm. talking. And it's like, all those things are rules there, whether they're unspoken or not, they're all rules about who we have to be. And I wondered, like, I want to, I want to go on this journey and learn about me without those rules. And it's honestly, I think it's going to take my whole life to be honest. Yeah. But I've started the journey. I want to have these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that there's, you know, from the day that we're born, we are, are conditioned to believe certain things. We're conditioned to know certain things. And then our society and the world that we live in reinforce those over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, and part of our lives is returning to what is true for you. What, what do we acknowledge as, as our fact? And I have this thing that I call small girl syndrome, which I really connect to one culture Uh, religion, society, and the ways in particular that Black women and African women are taught to be small. And so, you know, when we show up in the world and we're taught to like continue to make ourselves smaller and smaller and smaller, what does that do for us? And I think it, it, like you said, it kind of makes us follow everybody else's rules, but we're never identifying or creating our own. And I kind of like, I'm curious, like, what would Black people be? Can you imagine how powerful Mm. if... Black people were just allowed to be black, Mm, mm. whatever that looks like. I I couldn't even tell you because I have no idea that the colonialism and the oppression dates back (laughs) so many years Mm -hmm. that I really have no idea. But it's definitely it's it's definitely a quest that I'm like, I'm on right now. And I'm I'm embracing the fact that it, it is difficult. Mm-hmm. I do feel in my spirit, especially I, w- I will say like being a feminist and a Christian and someone who is embracing African spirituality, it's a fight in my of spirit. Course. Part of the like human experience is to have things that ground us and things that make us feel like, okay, I'm certain about X, Y, and Z. And so when we slowly start to feel like we have to question those things, it feels like a part of us is gone, but a part of you also gains from exploring those. And at at least you'll be able to embrace it in a different way when you find and continue to find what your truths are. And yeah, just giving ourselves, I think, permission to explore is in itself a, a very powerful act because we're often policed in so many ways and we have to have the ability to figure out the freedom and, and our own liberation of what that looks like. And, and how do we want to live? You know, mm-hmm. I will say like for, for other black people who are listening to understand that it is going to be tough and mm-hmm. you will realize that, that there's, it, it's traumatic and it's mm-hmm. a trauma that you, you kind of, it, it's traumatic to realize you're like, Whoa, like, okay like it's Mm -hmm. time to if you have access to therapy I've been blessed and I do have a therapist and so I get to sit down with her and have these conversations but you know have be be gracious to yourself be compassionate because when you do come to that realization it kind of kind of heavy you know Mm -hmm. no definitely definitely but on that note 
we'll end it here. But before you go, tell us about your Instagram. Like if you want people to follow you and anything you want us to know about the work that you're doing. Uh, yeah. So people can follow me at Womanist Healing on Instagram. It's W-O-M-A-N-I-S-T Healing on Instagram. And I try to provide people just different resources online that let them be more kind and compassionate to themselves, but also just free, some free information about mental health and and practices for people to have and hold on to, because, you know, I know that therapy is such a important and helpful thing, but I know that it's not always accessible. And what else do people want to know about me and my work? I'm, I'm just a black woman supporting other black folks in, in, in finding themselves and finding their truths. And, you know, like you were saying, you know, there's, so there's something in, in therapy that we often talk about around our core beliefs. And I think that this is as time as any to identify like what your beliefs are. I think the mm-hmm. pandemic is forcing people to think about, okay, what are my beliefs about myself? What are the beliefs mm-hmm. about the world that I have? And which beliefs do I want to hold on and challenge? And how do those, those beliefs impact our health and wellness? So I think for, if I could say anything to people is, is it's okay to explore some of the, the beliefs that you have and recognize that maybe they no longer ring true for you because that's a part, important part of, of growth and evolving in yeah. really intentional ways let me tell you I used to think when I was younger there was a there was a tv show in Uganda it was called I think it was called center four and they talked about so they would during the world aids day month they did a, an episode and someone came into the doctor's office and they said uh, doctor, this, I think I'm not feeling well. And the doctor was like, oh, if your feet are smelling, it means you have syphilis. Oh, what? Yeah. So my whole life up until I was like 20, every time someone's feet were smelling, mm. I was like, oh my God, they have syphilis. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't until I started to learn more about STIs and then mm-hmm. was like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. not a thing. So, mm-hmm. no, but but you have to kind of go out and like explore things, and and that's how we unlearn. You know, that's mm-hmm. how we we kind of just become better people. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the work that you do in the community, and for you know Thank showing you. up for Black women. I yeah. you are definitely appreciated. Please come back. Of course, you, you need to talk about the the dangers of. We need because when I tell you it hurts my belly when I when people send me videos of him, it's my layers. Yikes. Just yuckiness. But guys, thank you for listening. We will see you next week or in two weeks, actually. Not next Mm -hmm. week. Bye, guys. Bye.